It's where games are won and lost in the trenches. Welcome, Bird Gang, on today's show. Zach Kirschman joins me. We spent a good portion of the show talking about the line of scrimmage, both the offensive line and defensive line. Who do the Cardinals have coming back? Who might they be losing? And then, what's the level of need when looking ahead to free agency and the draft? But first, J.J. Watt is just like us. It's Cardinals Cover 2, Episode 729, and it starts now. Welcome to Cardinals Cover 2. Buda Baker, one heart, one threat. This guy's unbelievable. Cardinals Cover 2 is presented by Hyundai, proud partner of the Arizona Cardinals, and by Arizona Cardinals Podcasts. Visit azcardinals.com slash podcasts. He's at the 10, at the 5, he's in again! Some more Murray Magic! Wow! Here's Craig Grealoux. So I think we can all relate to this, young Zach Gershman. And sometimes it's hard to relate to professional athletes. But in this case, I'm going to say I'm right there with J.J. Watt, former Cardinal defensive lineman who posted on Wednesday the following. Does unsubscribe secretly mean send me more emails, please? I read that. I laughed. And then I said, he's not wrong (laughs) because my email inbox is is always full daily despite hitting that unsubscribe or going to that link and hitting please unsubscribe me, put your email address in, and then hit enter. Yeah, I get a lot of emails from you know like accounts and companies that I never even looked oh. up to begin with. So I don't – I mean, look, the way technology works, everybody's got our information. It's all in some cloud, and somebody is just running said cloud – and it's, yeah, everyone's got it. But if you want something sent to you and you subscribe, then okay. But once you're done, or it's the emails that you get that you have no idea how they wound up with your email address, and then you're getting unsolicited information, products, and all of a sudden what was, what, maybe 25, 30 emails a day, doubles, darn nears, triples daily. But do you even open them up? No, I don't. I just I just right away delete it. Delete or delete, send to junk. You know, it's funny. It it still doesn't work. I know. We had the cards cam, and I was watching some of our employees and some of our coworkers and how they were, you know, walking up to the camera. And some are saying, I mean, I was walking with Kevin, and Kevin had thirty nine thousand emails. I had zero, and I literally stopped him. I go, show me your phone right now. He wasn't kidding. But like that's somebody, for example, that won't clear out his email right away. I just. The bubbles and just seeing that it's there, I'm afraid that I'm going to miss something. So I right away just look, and then when I see that it has absolutely zero relation to anything, then I just right away delete it. Yeah, our content and creative team set up a camera, video camera, for employees to walk in to the building with a question underneath, and we're supposed to read it and answer the question. And one was the most recent one was, how many unread emails do you have? And yeah, thirty nine. I just. What do you think it's at now? I don't. I don't know. That would see that that. I promise we'll get to Cardinal talk here in a little bit. But see that that would bother me anytime I have unread emails of more than thirty or forty. Because sometimes you save an email and that highlights, and then you can find it easier if it's unread versus read. But yeah, that would that would annoy me to no end. Yeah. No, that's I, I right away like I just because I, I when I look at my emails, 
I automatically assume, going back to what you're bringing up, that it's just going to be those subscriber emails that I, you know, I know I pressed unsubscribe to and suddenly, you know, just keeps reappearing. So, like, I, I know that's a right away. I just look at it. I just want to get those red, uh, red dot in the corner out the way. Um, so that when I do have at least one or two or three or however many unread emails, at least I know that I have to go back and, and check them out. Now, I should clarify. I read all work emails. Oh, yeah. Now, we're talking about the non-work, the personal emails in different email accounts versus your work account. So, yes, I can relate. We all can relate to JJ. Watt. Okay. Now, now, serious question here. How many emails do you have? Email addresses? Yes. Oh, only two. You only have two, like one work. One work, one personal, yeah. See, I have like a few different, like I have a Gmail that's just like my Gmail that I, I kind of have towards one thing, and then I have like a spam one that I just put all my different, like if I'm going out to a store and they're like, do you want to become a member? And I'm like, <laughs> of course I do. Please put on this email. Oh, so I do I've, that. I've not thought about that. See, those are the oh, ones okay. I right away delete though, because I know that it's coming in, you know, that's the category it's going to be. That's... That's pretty ingenious right there. It's an AOL account that I don't believe I have the password to anymore. So regardless, I don't know if I'm going to be able to to get out of it. Since you mentioned AOL, which I did have an AOL account a long time ago, but am I dating myself, letting everyone know here on Cardinals Cover 2 that I have a Yahoo account versus a Gmail account or any other email account? Really? So, I mean, now I I'm know. Dating, so you I'm only have, no, I only have not, a Yahoo not, account. I don't, look yes. at, I don't look at it as a matter of dating yourself. I just don't look at it as like, you know, you could become a little bit more like modernized. I'm dating myself. No, you're just not you're as being modernized. More, you're being a lot more polite than just saying, yes, you're old, Craig. No one has You a, said it then, not me. No I'm not saying I agree with that. I'm just saying that I got a Gmail. A lot of other people have <laughs> Gmail. You know, let's get to some Cardinals yeah. football talk yeah, before, before I dig myself into a hole. Good idea. Um, speaking of work, you've been at work a lot recently, and that work I is... I would hope so. Oh, yeah, that's true. Because remember, we read all work emails yes. here. But on azcardinals.com, we have put young Zach to work here this offseason because we've established that there is no such thing as an offseason in the National Football League. Case in point, scouting combine is one week away. Then you have free agency, which is less than a month away. And then the draft, which comes at the end of April. And then we get into off-season workouts, OTAs, mini camp. And before you know it, training camp is right around the corner. And I say that out loud, like, what happened to my off-season? But you just had it. Considering we just had our first Sunday without any football, yeah, I, sometimes you wish you could hit that fast-forward button on the off-season to get to some action on the field. What did you do on your Sunday then if there was no football? What did I do? I don't think I did a whole heck of a lot. Chores, yard work. No, no yard work. Although it was nice out. It I heard it was nice out. It I was, was stuck in rainy Orlando for, for a few days. Well, that's your problem for leaving the state of Arizona for I, a quick getaway. I know. I really thought going back from like warm weather to supposedly warm weather just turned into cold rain. <laughs> so that stunk a little bit. All right. As we were talking... Cardinals football. Zach has been hard at work. Free agent primers, because as we mentioned before, you know it, free agency will be upon us. Everyone likes talking about the draft, which we will, but we kind of forget, even though the scouting combine is in one week and Cardinals cover two will be in Indianapolis. More on that momentarily, but we kind of forget. Everyone talks draft. 
and free agency kind of sometimes gets lost a little bit as far as the headlines are concerned, unless it's a big-name free agent. But free agency is first, the new league year, March 13th, and all of a sudden the Cardinals now can go shopping. The question that we pose here is looking at different position groups, and you have gone through 11 different position groups. We'll talk about two here on this Wednesday, and that would be the line of scrimmage, offensive line, and defensive line. Both of these free agent primers, by the way, have already been posted on azcardinals.com. I mean, to go back a little bit, I think that one of the reasons why the free agency might be, I don't want to use the term an afterthought, but it might not be the first thing in the front of people's minds is because the Cardinals do hold two first-round picks, and that's exciting. And when when you look at the top 100 picks, no team in the NFL has more top 100 picks than the Arizona Cardinals do with six. So there's a lot of different options there within those first four rounds truly for a new player to come in and make an impact. Those are players that you have control over truly of bringing in. You draft them. You bring them in. You say, we're bringing you into the Valley. You're going to become the newest Arizona Cardinal. Free agency, there's got to be a lot of mutual components that got to go into play with that one. So when it comes to the defensive line, the offensive line, both areas are are really I put we have a, a kind of like a rating like is this a medium level need a high level need a low level need both of them are very high up because that defensive line you're losing a lot of different pieces truly that you didn't really even have much to begin with and the LJ Collier and the Carlos Watkins both of them scheduled to hit the free agency market both of them were out in the beginning half of the season Lecky Foto as well he was out. So that defensive line, there were a lot of injuries. They were last in the league in rushing defense, allowing over 140 yards a game. That's you know that that that's an area certainly of need. And on offensive side, that left side of the offensive line, what do you do with DJ Humphreys? Is he going to be your guy when he does come back healthy? Do you draft somebody? Do you keep Kelvin Beecham in that left spot? What about a left guard? Both Elijah Wilkinson and Tristan Colon are scheduled to be free agents, and that was a revolving door. So I know I'm just spitballing a lot because it's on the top of the mind, but both areas are certainly high with need. If there was a level above high which we don't have, but if there was a level above high, I would put defensive line at that level and then offensive line below it, at least in my opinion. But you look at defensive line, and this is what you wrote on azcardinals.com, shoring up the defensive front will be one of the first boxes Austin Fort will look to check off. And I don't think you're inaccurate in any way. Now, whether that's free agency or the draft, The defensive line, I think, has a lot of depth, rotation players, and it's nothing against the players who are under contract or the players who are set to become unrestricted free agents who may be brought back, but you do not have that star, stud, Pro Bowl, All-Pro within your roster, within your Arizona Cardinals cupboard, if you will, at least not yet. Now, can maybe one of these younger players develop into that? Perhaps, but when you look at the defensive line and what this team did not have in 2023, I'll go to this stat. The team's three starting D linemen in Week 18 were not on the roster to begin the season. Again, Week 18, (laughs) your starting three defensive linemen not on the roster to begin the season. One that's a sign of a number of injuries, a number of players who just didn't pan out, and you're trying to find something to work, and you found it, at least in Week 18, with Phil Hoskins, Roy Lopez, and Naquan Jones. Now, those players are under contract. They'll be back 
next season, as long as the Cardinals want him back. But it's a starting point. It's not an end point when you talk about the defensive line. I think Cardinals fans got you know they got a taste of what it could look like when you have a Zach Allen and a J.J. Watt on that defensive line. Players that are able to get beyond the offensive line and get to a quarterback and get those sacks. I mean, we talked a little bit about how in 2022, outside of those two, your leading sack getter on that defensive line was Jonathan Ledbetter, who had one sole sack. At, at this point, yes, you had a lot of those rotational pieces, and you need them. You need rotational pieces that you could just rotate in because that's something they talk about is that that rush and cover, cover and rush. That rush component of it, Nick Rollis likes to rotate his guys on that defensive line and within his edge rushers as well, those outside linebackers. But when you have six different players that have missed extensive amount of games, I mean, think about it, Dante Stills. Dante kind of became the premier player on that defensive line. He was kind of the standout. He was a rookie, and he was also a healthy scratch in that week one game against the Washington Commanders. It truly does show how this defensive line, they did pretty well, if you, all things considered, with the pieces that they do have. As you mentioned, though, there isn't that star player on that defensive line that you could guarantee or you kind of hope to guarantee you know is going to get their licks. Stills ended the season on IR with a knee injury, but more of a knee sprain, so no any long-term effects in speaking with him after the season. Your other concern, potentially, because he's a restricted free agent, is Jonathan Ledbetter, who underwent ACL surgery in January. Again, restricted free agent. He'll be back as long as the Cardinals want him back, and I would if I'm the general manager, which I am not, I would love to see Ledbetter back. I would like to see maybe one or two of the following back who are set to become unrestricted free agents. Carlos Watkins, LJ Collier, Lecky Fotu. Again, all very good players, but I wouldn't put them in the category of greats. And in the case of Collier and Watkins, we saw so little of them on the field before biceps injuries cost them the balance of the regular season. But when they were on the field, they were effective. Now, are they going to show up in the stat sheet all the time? Probably not. But are they doing their job? Are they handling their role within the defense that Nick Rollis wants to run? It's that sometimes you don't show up on the stat sheet, but you're taking on your block. Maybe you're taking on a double team to allow the guy next to you, your teammate, to get the tackle or tackle for loss or hopefully a takeaway. I When LJ and Carlos Watkins were both brought in, they were brought in on one-year prove-it deals, basically. And that's what LJ Collier said when he sat in front of the media ahead of the season. And he said, hey, like I my time in Seattle really did not go the way I wanted it to go. This is my chance to prove myself. Obviously, injuries are part of the games, and you don't expect or ever hope or wish for a player to tear their bicep, let alone both Carlos Watkins and LJ Collier being your 1-1A truly as, the, as your starting defensive tackles, your defensive ends, and then they both go down week after week with or week back-to-back weeks with injuries in the way that they did and the same injury at that. So I'm sure those conversations in the rehab room were probably quite fascinating between the two because of the fact that they both were brought in to do the same exact thing and they both unfortunately landed on IR with the same injury with one of those players if not both you you kind of you might not know what they were going to be able to bring you could only speculate but I think going into the season realizing that those are your two starting defensive ends that kind of gives you an understanding of how and what the coaching staff truly thought of them during their first offseason donning the Cardinals red if you look at you project here Dante Stills Roy Lopez those two 
immediately come to mind as far as being rotation pieces. Jonathan Ledbetter, depending on how quickly he's able to heal from an ACL injury, and then you bring back a Watkins, a Collier, a Fotu, maybe all three or one of the three or two of the three, or you look elsewhere. Again, as I mentioned, you also have Phil Hoskins, Naquan Jones, and Ben Stilley as well. But it is a position on that side of the ball that really needs an upgrade. You can't account for injuries that's going to happen but you do need to address the defensive line because as you mentioned in the free agent primer on azcardinals.com and it's not on the defensive line but that's where it starts and that is the rush defense cardinals dead last against the run six teams allowed better than four and a half yards per play and the cardinals ranked 29th at 4.67 they allowed the fifth most rushing touchdowns in the league not all in the defensive line, but that's that first wave of attack, and you don't want that running back ball carrier to get to the second and third level. And too many times against the Cardinals' defense, that's what was happening. And I think more so, and the biggest cause of concern, I guess the biggest red flag, is it was really against your division, too. Kyron Williams truly, I think, earned himself a Pro Bowl spot simply based off the fact of his performance against the Cardinals. Not once, but twice. He played in Week 6 when, he, when we went to Los Angeles. All of us went to Los Angeles, and we saw Kyron Williams literally smoke the Arizona Cardinals defense, going from rushing four yards in that first half to 154 in the second half. And then he comes back from injury week 12. They see him again at State Farm Stadium, and he replicates his exact performance. Christian McCaffrey, and I understand Christian McCaffrey's the offensive player of the year for a reason, but you got to try to limit. And unfortunately, with a player like that, and because of the rotational pieces you have, you don't have that main big man up front that's able to stop, try to get, not even let him get beyond that first line of defense that you alluded to, to even try to let the linebackers or the safeties try to get in and make a stop. You have to have those big men up front try to make a stop. And unfortunately, within your own division, that, that was a struggle. Williams averaged almost eight and a half yards a carry. McCaffrey, almost six yards a carry in the two games that both of them played against the Cardinals' defense and specifically against the NFC West. The Cardinals' seven worst performances as far as stopping the run. Four of the seven came against teams within the NFC West. And that's where you have to look when you're upgrading or looking to upgrade your roster. All right, who are we playing? And we know every single year there are six games against your opponents within the division and then everything else fills in to get to 17. I, I got a bunch of numbers and a bunch of stats. I can tell you exactly what's wrong with that Cardinals defensive line. Now, it's not up to me to figure out the solutions, but is that in the draft? Is that in free agency? Probably a combination of both. I don't think you need to spend big money on one particular player. This team has too many holes at too many positions to go break the bank with one or two players, but I would like to see some real dollars spent along that defensive line. Of course, you need somebody that you could count on on that defensive line. That in regardless, like I understand that there's like a Christian Wilkins, Chris Jones is likely going to be going back to the Kansas City Chiefs. There's a lot of different players that you're able to bring in on that defensive line through free agency, whatever that, whoever that may be. Yeah, Justin Matabuke from the Baltimore Ravens as well. There are going to be a lot of different options that you could bring people within the division, like a Leonard Williams, for example, from the Seattle Seahawks, and that goes far because you know that you're taking them away from another team within your division. But you just 
I, I agree because I think that there are a lot of different ways you're able to bring in some of these defensive these defensive linemen, especially on the interior through the draft. There's a Tavondre Sweat who's a huge body from the University of Texas. He's somebody that you could get in two in round two or round three. Once again, as we started this off with, and more there's no team in the NFL that has more top 100 picks than the Arizona Cardinals do with six. There are a lot of different options you're able to bring in. But you also want to have somebody that's a little bit more established. So I agree. You don't want to throw the entire bank at a defensive lineman and you don't really have much money to spend anywhere else. But you have to put some dollars into bringing in a solid role player, a solid piece that isn't just your rotational player that we've come accustomed to seeing. Yeah, you you love the youth, but you don't want a bunch of young guys at any one particular position. And when you talk about free agency, I know there's a bunch of names out there. You listed a handful of them. But are they going to be available come March 13th when it comes to unrestricted free agency? Do they re-sign with their current team? Do they get tagged by their current team so they don't go anywhere? And then obviously it's okay, yeah, they might be on the open market, but now all of a sudden all 31 other teams have the option to pursue. And at that point it's nine times out of ten the almighty dollar that sways a player from one team to the next team. Of course, but I do think a lot of it also does, and, and the dollars are, in most cases, the biggest component as to who you're bringing in. Because if dollars weren't you know, thought of, a lot of these players would be staying where they're most comfortable with or the players and the coaches they're most comfortable with. But I do think that also opens up the door because a lot of these guys in the NFL, they all talk with one another. And you look at a weekend like the Super Bowl where everybody seems to be gathered together, I don't doubt that a Jonathan Ledbetter would go up and start talking to other friends that he might have on the defensive line and say, hey, what we have here with the Arizona Cardinals, not in a tampering type of way, but in just a genuine like conversational type of way. You could see the type of fight that the Cardinals had on the field, even despite just not even having any of those, those star players. You know the type of coach, and one of the things I wrote is there's a better of an idea of what a gannon Austin fort regime looks like and what a playing style looks like, the type of players that they want. And I think that that might be attractive to free agents because last year they probably didn't look at the Arizona Cardinals, a first-year head coach, first-year general manager, and say, oh, I want to start over. Yes, the Cardinals are still processing and going through that rebuild, but you have a better idea as to what the end goal is and what the potential could be. There's no greater recruiting tool than your own players touting how good they like it, whether it's here, somewhere else, but players speak to your point, especially when you're at the Pro Bowl or a large gathering, the Super Bowl, players do talk, and you hope that they're talking up what the Cardinals did despite the 4-13 and record. All right, so defensive line, again, a high level of need. I would even go higher than that. <laughs> but again, that's me and just below defensive line, not far below defensive line, is offensive line because, as they say, it always comes down to the trenches. Games are won and lost at the line of scrimmage. And the offensive line is another high priority. 11 players are under contract, and that does include four-fifths of your starting unit from last season. A.J. Humphreys, Paris Johnson, Yelda Froholt, Will Hernandez. Now, the asterisk here is you don't know about Humphreys and his availability coming off the ACL injury. However, Kelvin Beecham is under contract, and he may be one of your two starting tackles to begin 2024 with Humphreys' uncertainty as far as his availability middle of the season, later in the season, not at all. 
who knows, but you have you have more pieces on the offensive line that one, you know how good they are at their jobs, and then not as many holes. It's more of a depth that you're looking at. And as far as starting position, okay, maybe it's a tackle spot, but definitely left guard. You don't know what you have right now. Yeah, and there was, as I mentioned, it was kind of that revolving door between Tristan Colon and Elijah Wilkinson. When Elijah Wilkinson went on IR for his neck injury, that is when Tristan Colon came in. He started a handful of games. And then Carter O'Donnell started to come in, and then it went back to Tristan Colon, and then it went to Elijah Wilkinson again once he was healthy. And then they both started uh, swapping snaps during games. Not even just who, not even just a matter of who started. Uh, it, it was I was struggling between putting this at a medium and a high rating because the right side of the offensive line with Paris and Will Hernandez and truthfully with Yelda Froholt, you, you have confidence there. You have confidence there. And that's why I was like, all right, three out of five, is that a medium or a high? But I do think not knowing what you're getting out of a franchise left tackle because DJ Humphreys is going to be injured and he's going to be out for majority of the season. Kelvin Beecham is a great piece to have there. He's a veteran. He's consistent. You know exactly what you're going to be getting out of him. But there are a lot of players, mostly and truthfully, a lot of them are going to be focused on in the draft process. Free agency, you can bring in a guard there's a handful of different ones that you're going to be able to bring in potentially uh, if they want to come here and come on that offensive line. I do think a big component of it is that rushing game. These offensive linemen love the the ground and pound game. And when you have a running back like James Conner that's able to rush for over 1,000 yards, that's where a lot of these offensive linemen, A, get their paychecks because they're able to show that we're able to create these gaps, but B, they're just, that's what they enjoy doing, being in the trenches. That's when the game is won and lost. Top five rushing attack, number two as far as rushing yards per play. And, yeah, credit James Conner and the rest of the running backs, but they are not able to do their jobs unless the offensive line does its job. And I do think that was one of the more surprising aspects of last season, just how well that offensive line run ran block as far as opening up rushing lanes for all the different ball carriers the Cardinals had last season. But – Left guard's a question mark, and I understand the thinking medium versus high, but even if even if DJ Humphreys was completely healthy going into this offseason, offensive line, interior, and the tackle position would still be a talking point with that number four pick, with that number 27 pick, with a day two pick in the second or third round because Humphreys, last year of his contract. Yeah. Froholt, last year of his contract. Will Hernandez, last year of his contract. So you're also you're looking at 2024. You're also looking at beyond, and that's where the draft, free agency there, you can plug holes. Draft is more about, especially if it's top 10 pick, the immediacy, but also, okay, where do I see this player if I draft late in the first round or on day two or day three? Where do I see them in two or three years down the line? Do they become a starting player for us? And here talking about the offensive line. Truthfully, the one the, the main reason why I put it as a high priority is because in Kyler Murray's eight games, he was sacked 18 times. Josh Dobbs in his eight games, he was sacked 17 times. The quarterback got hit quite a bit throughout the season, regardless of which quarterback it, it was. So that offensive line, while they were 
consistent at times, they also did let a lot of hits happen to the quarterback. And you got to keep your quarterback upright. That that's the number one priority is the health and safety of your quarterback. And when you have a mobile quarterback with the agility and the ability to get out the pocket like Kyler Murray, you got to have somebody out there that is going to be able to block and block for longer periods of times. Those eight plus seconds because Kyler Murray is going to be making that Murray magic in the backfield, trying to scramble for some extra yards, try to get his wide receivers open through extra seconds holding the rock. So that that's a big component of it. With the future of the line, yeah, you, you mentioned it. There's a lot of players that are going to be hitting the market in the coming years. You have a Paris Johnson Jr. on the lock for the future, but we're going to be having this conversation again next year. And the conversation is going to be, well, who are you bringing back? Which of these offensive linemen are you bringing back? This is the year where guards and tackles are at a premium. It's crazy how this year's draft, there's always like that one draft where it's like, it seems like you can't go wrong. There's so many different options out there, Uh, at least on paper. That's what it seems like, whether it's with the wide receivers or the defensive linemen or the offensive linemen in this draft, there's definitely a lot of different players to choose from. NFL Network's Daniel Jeremiah, his top 50, his first listing of his 50 best prospects has seven offensive linemen in his top 18 and many of the big names likely to be gone by pick number 27 but if you look at some of the mock drafts Jordan Morgan Tyler Guyton JC Latham some of the names that potentially could be there for the Cardinals at 27 however if you like offensive tackle Joe Alt he's not going to be there at 27 and maybe do you invest in that fourth overall pick Certainly wouldn't please the fan base. It wouldn't really move the meter as far as get people excited because, once again, for the second straight year, you're drafting with your first pick an offensive tackle. But as we talked about, games are won and lost in the trenches, and a quarterback cannot do his job if he's on the ground. And to me, offensive line, it would not surprise me, let me put it that way, if the Cardinals do go offensive tackle with that fourth pick, regardless of of Marvin Harrison Jr., or they trade down, get some draft capital, and still take one of the top offensive tackles. If Marvin's on the board, in my opinion, if Marvin's on the board, you either are trading and getting a boatload of stuff coming in coming your way for that number four selection, or you're drafting Marvin. I think if Marvin's on the board, he has to be your pick or you're trading out to get a boatload and hopefully going down maybe to six or seven on the board and still getting one of those premier offensive linemen. If Marvin's not on the board, then I have no issues, and I don't understand why the fan base would have an issue going off of that point about winning the game in the trenches. Yeah, it might not be the the stud player that's going to be appearing on the stat sheet every single Sunday, but going back to your point, that's where you win and lose the game is within the trenches. So if Marvin's off the board, I don't see a reason why you wouldn't want to bring in either Joe Alt or Olu or a lot of the other guys that are starting to pop up on the board. And in your scenario, Harrison's off the board, which he is on Daniel Jeremiah's most recent mock draft. He has Harrison going number three to the Patriots and then the Cardinals taking a wide receiver and Malik Neighbors not going offensive line. But your scenario is not unlike a year ago. Cardinals are on the clock. Will Anderson, someone wants Will Anderson more so than maybe the Cardinals did. We found out later that, no, they wanted Paris Johnson Jr. even at number three if no trade had materialized. And that just kind of leads me to the thinking that Monty Austin Ford values that line of scrimmage oh, yeah. on both sides of the ball to the point where he would not be afraid or hesitant to pull the trigger on an offensive tackle with that fourth overall pick. 
Again, wide receiver. This is a deep draft and wide receiver. It's a fascinating conversation leading up to the draft, and we've got several more weeks of conversation. We'll have it all next week in Indianapolis at the Scouting Combine, and it's going to be interesting to go maybe April 1st or a couple of months after the draft, and whether anyone will admit or not, but really dive into that conversation, the difference of opinions, because I do think we'll learn more about the general manager and this front office and this year's draft than perhaps a year ago's draft in 2023. You're able to see the success that Monty Austin Ford was able to was able to have, but as we talked about in the beginning, you don't you hope and you never hope that every single one of your rookies are playing the meaningful snaps that this team was playing. You hope that you have solidified pieces that are in there that are veterans that are able that you know are a little bit more consistent than just your young bucks that are coming in and trying to make an impact right away. You, obviously, you want your first you know few rounds to be making their making their mark and playing meaningful snaps, and that's what you're able to get out of a Paris Johnson Jr. That's what you're able to get out of a B.J. Ojolari and a Michael Wilson. Th- those are the first few rounds that you hope and expect to be playing meaningful snaps you don't expect for the sixth and seventh round picks to be playing as much as this year's cardinal team was playing but it would not surprise me to see monty pull the trigger but personally putting on the zach gershman gm cap i I think that and we're going to have these conversations in the mock draft trackers that i'll be having over the next couple of weeks on azcardinals.com as we lead into draft season once free agency starts to slow down a little bit there's going to be a lot of differing of opinions as to what you take with that number four. And if you take a wide receiver at number four, then are you taking that lineman at 27? If you take that lineman at number four, do you take a wide receiver at 27? There's a lot of different conversations we're going to be able to have because of it. But knowing that we have two first-round picks, Arizona Cardinals do, that definitely gives you a little bit more options because you're hoping for a day-one starter, a game-one starter with that 27th overall pick as well. The mock draft tracker will first show up on azcardinals.com on Thursday, depending on when you're listening to this edition of Cardinals Covered 2, presented by Hyundai, proud partner of the Arizona Cardinals. And right now, many of the mocks, maybe nine out of every ten, have the Cardinals, barring trades, selecting Marvin Harrison with that fourth overall pick because many believe quarterbacks go one, two, three. Now, is that what happens on April 27th or 25th? I don't know because between now and then, Zach, we can talk ourselves in and out of different scenarios. This is going to happen. No, this is going to happen. No one knows. It's all an opinion. It's great conversation. It's great content. And it's what we have here in the offseason because the NFL does a great job of making sure that it is top of mind all year long. Here's what I'll say. Last year I was looking through the mock draft tracker. 1.0 and 2.0 did not even have Paris Johnson Jr. mentioned. So a lot of different things are going to be able to come out as the combine rolls on as we get closer. Once free agency starts to get itself figured out a little bit. If the Cardinals are bringing in a lot of defensive and interior defensive linemen, you might not be expecting them to draft that high up a defensive lineman. Same with that offensive line. They're, you, you kind of expect for them to draft at least one or two, but that might not be within your first three picks is what I would say. A lot's going to change along the way. I brought up Joe Alt, and I don't want to discredit any of the other top-tier tackles, namely the one from Penn State because of where you went to school. But Olufashinu, 
I know that would probably be your preference to flood the locker room with Nittany Lions. I'm just, I want to make sure that everyone knows I just brought up Joe Alt because, well, alphabetical, it's the first offensive tackle on the board. Look, I, I'm not saying I would be anti-having a Nittany Lion in the locker room. You want the best piece for this team that's going to be able to help the Arizona Cardinals get into contention. But selfishly, I wouldn't be against seeing a guy that I come in, I, I saw come in as a freshman at Penn State, and you know they mispronounced his first name, I mean his first and last name when they brought him into the room, and then he kind of solidified himself and he said, "Look, I'm going to make you know my name." And this is exactly what happened. He could have been a first-round selection last year, went back to school, valued his degree, was up for the academic Heisman out there. Don't believe he won it. But he's a smart talent. He's a good talent. He is starting to slip down in a lot of different draft boards. Uh, I think mainly because of the quarterback conversation when you have a guy like J.G. McCarthy starting to go up on the up in the rankings. You have a Malik Neighbors, a lot of these different wide receivers. There's, there's a lot of different options that a lot of different teams, I know I'm saying a lot, but there's a lot of different options that different teams could bring in. The name J.J. McCarthy is going to be something to keep an eye on, especially next week in Indianapolis. How well does he test? How well does he interview? Because, as our colleague Paul Calvisi likes to say, QB4. Who is that fourth QB not named Caleb Williams, Drake May, and Jaden Daniels? Is there another quarterback that can push their way up to that top four? Irregardless if three quarterbacks go one, two, and three, quarterbacks always get pushed up the board. And then we hear Daniel Jeremiah, I believe it was during Super Bowl weekend, mention that next year's draft class is not nearly as good. So perhaps maybe this year's draft class, a J.J. McCarthy, a Bo Nix, a Michael Penix, perhaps they get drafted maybe above what they should be. They're selected higher than maybe they're ranked overall, but you always value the quarterback higher than any other position. And that's where you got to look at a team like the New York Giants. There, there's questions about Daniel Jones. I don't believe you put, you know, Tommy DeVito as your as your QB one. You have those different quarterbacks on the market. They're probably going to be looking at to, you know, jump in front, or they could even try to trade for number four with the Arizona Cardinals. And either they bring in a J.J. McCarthy or they just trade up and try to bring in a Marvin Harrison Jr. to try to complement the different types of quarterbacks that they do have in that room. Giants at 6, Titans at 7, Will Levis, uh, Falcons at 8, Desmond Ritter. Uh, you know, And then you got the Vikings, Broncos, and Raiders in the early teens, and they're all looking for quarterbacks, at least from the outside looking in. It's great to be in this position where you don't have to worry about the quarterback now. It's just putting talent around the quarterback and uh, – I do believe it's going to be an offensive player with that first-round pick, whether that's at number four or somewhere in the teens. But wherever the Cardinals make that first pick, it's, my opinion, going to be an offensive player. I believe also that the coaching staff and Monty will probably talk with Kyler as well and ask him, hey, you have your option here. You could have a wide receiver, depending also on what you do with Hollywood Brown and Greg Dorch, Beyond that, you really have Michael Wilson in your room, and he's kind of the, your player at the moment. Do you want to bring in another offensive lineman? Because we know Kyler was very high on having Paris Johnson Jr. come into Tempe and block for him on that offensive line on that bookend. Now is it going to be we want another bookend tackle, or do you want Marvin Harrison Jr.? I think that could also be a really big part of their judgment because they've been convicted in Kyler Murray being their franchise quarterback for this go-around. Nothing wrong with soliciting the opinion of your starting quarterback, and that's all it would be. He would be given an opinion. He wouldn't be making yeah, he the He wouldn't pick, be GM. <laughs> but you ask 
for every different opinion, different opinions at times as well, just to make sure you're making the best educated guess as possible. Because at the end of the day, that's all this is. It's an educated guess. No one knows for certain you're not going to know until three, four, five years down the road. And this will be one of those things that even guys right now, like you, know, BJ Ojolari has played quite well his rookie year, but he didn't have a training camp. He didn't have, you know, those those year two, year three, year four. That's when you're really able to see the development of a lot of these players and kind of have that bust or not bust label, whatever it could be. But those years are when you start getting your feet under you a little bit, and that's when it will really be determined if a Paris Johnson Jr. truly does pan out to be an elite tackle. Who from this class comes in? Because we're talking about Marvin Harrison Jr. could be the next great prospect, but he also might not be. We, the game, The college game doesn't always translate to the pros. Quick programming notes. We don't do it often, but we are taking Cardinals cover two on the road. We will be in Indianapolis all of next week. Travel day on Monday, so our coverage will really begin. Our content gathering will really ramp up on Tuesday. Red Sea Report, anticipate being live from Indianapolis. Cardinals Underground in Indianapolis as well. Zach, you'll be back here holding down the fort for all of us. Darren Urban, myself, Danny Sarek, we'll all, and I believe it's a total of seven of us heading to Indianapolis. Paul and I will have a lot of fun. You can get a lot of work done. It'll be quiet. I'm, I'm gonna. We have the rest of the primers to get through. <laughs> we got the rest of the primers to get through, and also a lot of potential mock drafts to continue to look at. By the way, the primer schedule daily, correct? Essentially. Or- Quarterback in back after defensive line, offensive line. We've got quarterback, inside linebacker, special teams, wide receiver, cornerback, running back, safety, tight end, and outside linebacker. Yeah, we'll have a break while you guys are at the combine so we could get the appropriate amount of combine coverage because that's the week where all eyes are set on the future of the NFL, not the present day of the NFL. So we'll let you guys gather all the coverage there from Indy. Paul and I will be holding down the ship here in, in Tempe and we'll be preparing for what the future of the Arizona Cardinals could look like with those cornerbacks, the running backs, the safeties, the tight ends, and the outside linebackers. I think the outside linebackers is going to be a really interesting room as to who you're bringing in. Looking forward to next week in Indianapolis. And again, more details on azcardinals.com throughout the days and weeks to come as we get ready for the start of free agency and then, of course, the draft as well at the end of April. On that note, we will put a lid on this edition of Cardinals Cover 2 presented by Hyundai, proud partner of the Arizona Cardinals. As always, special thanks to those behind the scenes, our executive producer, Jim Omohundro, our associate producer, Cody Fincher. For Zach Gershman, I'm Craig Rialdu. We'll talk to you next time here on Cardinals Cover 2.